All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Well, I should probably just say gentlemen. Gentlemen, we are back. <laughs> it is day three, Hi-Fi Summit. Uh, we've got Sonus Faber in the house. We've got Paolo, Joshua, and Livio. Um, oh, yeah. What is up, gentlemen? How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, Paolo and Livio are uh, coming in from Italy. So uh, we want to say thank you guys so much for, for doing that. I know it's nighttime there. So, um, yeah, let's get it started, whatever and you guys want to do. And real quick, I just would like to add that I think I got a message saying that I got the, the titles mixed up on the uh, thumbnail. So why don't oh, you okay. go ahead and correct me on that? I think I got the, you know, as far as like who works where and stuff like that. So. I think so I yeah, just Paolo, looked it up on LinkedIn. Why don't, why don't so. you start? Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then Livio, you can follow. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, well, I am Paolo Tezzon. I am uh, with the company since 15 years now. Uh, I entered with a stage, and then uh, I spent a couple of years uh, in um, the technical department, but I was anyway helping out the research and development uh, manager at the time, which was our founder. And... Um, I spent uh, the remaining 13 years uh, heading the research and development department for the company. And just at the beginning of this year, I moved in a different position after a, a very long run. And now I am the brand ambassador for Sonos Faber. Very cool. I'm uh, Livio Cucuzza. I'm in charge of uh, industrial design. So I am the toy guy, as you can see in the. There you the go. <laughs> Uh, I'm in. The, I'm uh, with the company uh, from uh, 2010. Uh, so starting from Amati Futura and then uh, Aida. That was uh, my first two projects for the company. Very cool. Very cool. And um, Joshua, what do you do for uh, Sonus Faber? Weren't you here with Macintosh earlier? Yeah, so I work. I work for Macintosh Group. So I get to. I get the luxury of uh, nice. representing all the brands. There so you go. That means Macintosh Labs, Audio Research, Sonus Faber, and then Semico Audio. All of our brands under Semico Audio as well. <laughs> so I work uh, in New York City. That's where I'm based right now, and I work uh, out of the New York City um, World of Macintosh townhouse, where it's a beautiful showroom and experience center for all of our brands. So that's that's more or less what I do, and then I get to do fun stuff like this. Awesome. So, uh, guys, you got a lot to talk about. Why don't you guys um, go ahead and kick it off? Who would like to go first? Thank you. <laughs> oh, perfect! Now, now, I got now, now, Livia, now, Livia's, <laughs> now, now the party can start. Here we go. All right, Livia, okay. why don't you why don't you go ahead and 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 start with with what you would like to talk about with what you do, and your design process. So yeah, uh, what I'm doing in the company is basically what I dreamed to do uh, for my entire life. Uh, designing toys uh, was always my passion. And I basically grew up in a family of uh, hi-fi dealers, let me say. My father was a, was a dealer. Uh, we had a, a shop in Sicily back in the, in the 80s and 90s, uh, so I grew up uh, surrounded by hi-fi gears. So my two passion was uh, design and hi-fi, and now I'm, uh, I'm in charge of the industrial design for probably the best uh, group of brands uh, of hi-fi in the world, so not bad. Not a bad job. <laughs> 
Very so cool. Livio, I know that when a big part of your job is, is envisioning different types of designs and how they become an idea to an actual product that somebody can put into their home. Can you mm -hmm. kind of walk us through the process of that and what that looks like for you when you're actually thinking about a new, a new product and a new project? Yeah, um, I have to say that uh, as every creative kind of uh, uh, action, there is not a, a fixed process, uh, but of course we have some rules. Um, starting uh, at the start of a new idea in the company can be can happen in two different ways. Uh, we can have the idea and show to the board and uh, see the reaction and try to promote our idea and make it uh, real. Or we can have uh, a direct input from the board. Uh, the board of each company is composed by different kind of uh, um, person, uh, sales guys, uh, the CEO, of course, marketing. Uh, and production, and they all gives input to us, and uh, and then we generate a sort of uh, a sort of uh, um, panel of different ideas, and then we select the best one all together. Um, of course, we have several steps to arrive to, uh, to 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 the group of ideas. Uh, we create mood boards. We start from uh, um, creating the right mood around uh, around the idea, and then we go deeper and deeper uh, with sketches, 3D drawings, uh, prototypes, everything that helps us to envision the the product we want to we want to create. So that's, a, that's, a, that's really cool and it's a good bit of information for a lot of the folks that are tuning in. So do you have some examples of those sure. mood boards? Video? Sure. Um, I selected- I think, it'd be, I think it'd be really interesting for folks at home to be able to see what, what some of those look like. So some of, the, some of the ideas, the elements, the textures, different other inspirations that then are, inspire you with your design process. Sure. Um, yep. I prepared uh, this presentation. This, this is an internal presentation, so uh, it's not exactly the, 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 the things that you can see outside of uh, the design, uh, the design, uh, uh, the design lab. Um, this, this was uh, the, the launch of the homage tradition. Uh, the homage, uh, the homage uh, series for Sonos Fabri is a very important series of loudspeakers, a very important collection of loudspeakers, um, composed by originally uh, just the Guarneri and the Amati, and then uh, the family grew grow it up, grew up uh, with different models, and uh, the Guarneri itself, the little uh, monitor, was the first lute shape speaker on the market so Sonos Faber was the the very first uh, uh, company to introduce this uh, lute curved uh, body design uh, so when we usually do an upgrade to an update to a, an existing family we start with some history because it's uh, especially with uh, our brand that are full of history like uh, Sonos Faber, Macintosh and Audio Research of course are 
uh, it's really, really important to uh, understand, deeply understand the history of the brand before to create anything new. Uh, this was the original, uh, the original Amati, uh, for example, and this was the, the, the original family uh, with the Amati, the Guarneri, and then the Guarneri Memento that followed that. Um, this was a set of uh, sketches of the Amati Futura uh, and the Guarneri Evolution, my very first uh, project I did together with Paolo. Um, and this was the, the final result. So, for example, for the actual uh, homage tradition, we used a lot of uh, inspiration from the boat, boat design and especially from the river boats that are pretty famous around the world and they are, uh, you know, a very important uh, design, uh, design icon for the Italian design. So we decided to use their imaginary to create our line of loudspeaker. Uh, also because there are common points between the two brands, everything uh, is made in Italy for Riva. They do, uh, they still do both partially in wood, uh, everything is uncrafted. So we had a lot of similarity and we wanted to use that, uh, that, that image. Uh, this was a very simple uh, image that showed how the uh, shape of the lute uh, was uh, changing for this project. So we started from the, from the left from, uh, with the classic lute shape of the Amati Futura. Then we had the lilium shape that was uh, double curvature, more articulated, more complex. And then with the fusion of the two of the two uh, shapes, we create the actual shape of the homage tradition line. That it's uh, still a kind of lute, but it's more complicated because there are two uh, curves in the in the shape. Again, this was a mood board. Uh, this is a classic mood board we use to identify the kind of style we want to apply to the speaker, to the product. And this mood board here is more related to material and finish, so CMF, how the, 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 the product will look like, so which are the uh, matching uh, elements that we want to use, like uh, this kind of aluminium with this kind of leather and, and uh, the beautiful Bengue finish, finish that we introduced with, the, uh, with, this, uh, with this line of uh, loudspeaker. A little bit of architectural uh, similarity between speakers and boats. And then uh, um, the transition between uh, uh, the Amati Futura on the left and the Amati Homage tradition on the right. And then the final product that uh, it's a little bit different from the one you can find now in the shop because, of course, this was a rendering. But it's pretty, it's pretty there. I mean, the, the, the speaker, it's uh, basically that. Uh, and then we had also the little son, the Guarneri, that uh, this is interesting. At that time uh, was uh, equipped with uh, a stand that was really close to the original, uh, uh, the original uh, homage, uh, homage uh, uh, Guarneri stand. Then we changed uh, with a more uh, let me say technical carbon fiber one in the last uh, yeah. steps of the process. So this is pretty uh, a quick uh, a quick overview of uh, 
how we how we work um, with uh, company presentation and uh, and a little bit of uh, of our process. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always Livio. It's always like even I work in in the group, and when I see these types of uh, projects and the mood boards, uh, I mean, I still get really really excited to see how it actually comes together into oh, yeah. into a real. I, I just had goosebumps like look, yeah, looking through that stuff. Like the well, designs are, are fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, the the thought just entered my head. Like after all this nonsense is done with the whole, um, you know, coronavirus. Like I'm coming to Italy to get a factory tour. Like for real. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe yeah, I can find that. We're gonna have some really beautiful new sound rooms available too. Um, yeah. that we're working on right now. So by that time, you'll have a really good opportunity to get a great demonstration of our products. Joe, that sounds yeah. like a daily hi-fi trip to me, man. Uh, oh, man. oh there you go. I'm, I'm paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe All we right. can time it with a uh, uh, Munich Hi-Fi show. There maybe somewhere around there. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Oh you know, it got my wheels spinning because uh, a man. That'd be dope. They're, they're Make beautiful. It man, those are beautiful. Literally maybe some you. of the most gorgeous speakers yeah. literally on the market. Oh, I mean. thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. So, I mean, yeah, with that being said, uh, seeing the design side of things and how that comes together from an industrial design standpoint, Paulo, I would love to talk to you about you working on that project with the homage series and how you take Livio's, um, the industrial design and the vision that we have on that element and then how you incorporated the electroacoustic design and how to make everything work within that same, um, in that same parameter of the design. Well, you know, uh, the reality is that, um, there's, uh, a beginning there's a very special moment in the in the beginning uh, where uh, and when we share the the concept for what it is so basically when the livio start doing the job you just seen uh, on his presentation with the moods trying to figuring out we have a very basic uh, sharing of certain important things which are uh, more or less related to the dimension ratio of the loudspeaker system and then basically there are sort of a couple of parallel uh, paths going on at the same time. And mine is about uh, looking for the right transducers. If we already have in our transducers portfolio, something which is fitting the need of that very specific project or of that very specific collection, or, uh, and that was not the case. For example, we needed to design uh, everything from scratch uh, basically, and um, so starts a process which is about developing the transducer. And uh, this process is uh, using a lot of tools. You have electroacoustic measurements, you have a beautiful tool which is our anechoic chamber, where uh, we have some sort of uh, we always develop speakers using some uh, cabinets right from the start. So we have some sort of sound-like prototype almost from the beginning. And uh, we keep refining the transducers. And when they're ready, hopefully also Livio's process is already done. And another process started over, which is the mechanical engineering. And when also the mechanical engineering is done, there's this, this beautiful point of the two things uh, merging together, the transducers development job executed and uh, also, the first mechanical prototype, uh, which is coherent with the design sketches, 
and we put everything together and uh, we start to make it work. Of course, there are several different... And usually they don't work together. <laughs> yeah, sometimes not. <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. This is when uh, most of the fun came out during the processes, obviously. But then, you know, I'm jumping through several different small stages, but uh, over the time we learn also to, um, you know, have a, a very reliable prediction of what was supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, uh, it is beautiful when uh, simulations and reality, they don't perfectly match, because this is when something special about our brand comes playing a role, hmm. which is the human component. And uh, because we strongly believe, and uh, we experience so many times, this is why we grow such a belief, that uh, whatever you can predict, whatever you can simulate, and you put it together, it's not perfectly working. It needs some human component. It needs some uh, fine-tuning. It needs some uh, iteration, which is uh, not related to things happening in a mechanical fashion, so to say. Basically, you have to deal with a problem, and you have to figure out how to make it work. And this is where the real fun comes, actually. Agreed. So, I mean, it's, it's super fascinating when you say the, the human component, because the one thing that I always hear, and the, and the one thing that drew me to Sonus Faber, even before I worked for this group, it's, it's the emotional connection that these speakers can convey. And, um, you know, there's unique, there's unique properties to how we design the speakers from, like you said, the electroacoustic engineering, it's the mechanical engineering, it's the transducers that we design, the amount of research and development that we put into these products. Can you talk about some of the unique technologies that we implement to achieve the overall result? So talking about maybe the damped apex dome tweeter, some of the other things that we really, that we really focus on for that connection. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let me first, uh, because uh, you know, your this is a, a complicated question and it requires sort of a complicated answers. Yeah. At the same time, uh, you know, I during those days uh, when I was looking at the advertising about this seminar and it was uh, described as, you know, the quest to perfection. I tried to to figure out the meaning of something of something like that of such a statement, mm -hmm. and uh, I I came up visualizing sort of uh, the best storytelling I can come up with in order to describe which is our own quest. First of all, when I think about perception, uh, sorry, sorry uh, perfection, I think about uh, to a mountain, to a very big mountain. And I visualize also the peak of this mountain as uh, obscured by clouds, so to say. You know, when the mountain is so big, the peak, the very top, you really can't see because there's clouds over there. And that peak that you can't see is my idea of perfection. Something that you know is there, you really can never get over there. It's kind of like a summit. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. And uh, this is the interesting part. Uh, you can start climbing that mountain from many different places. Mm -hmm. And the starting point is sort of defining 
right from the start your um, your path to the peak that you will never gonna reach. But while going on into this path, you can uh, sort of uh, approximate your own possible perfection. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is uh, the perfect uh, the perfect example to describe what happened to us with one of our trademark technologists, which is the DAD, the Damped Apex Dome Twitter. It is the perfect example of such a vision and such a process. If you allow me to share the screen. Yeah, do it. Okay. Uh, the DAD Twitter basically is the result of the path we walk through. And uh, in the very beginning of the of the company, in its earliest days, the the sort of Twitter we were using was based on uh, a very particular diaphragm, which is uh, um, silk soft hand coated diaphragm, and this. Um, this design, this tweeter, was capable of providing uh, a beautiful effect, and it had uh, a very good property, which was about what you call the off-axis response. You can tell it is uh, the blue uh, frequency response. You can tell uh, from uh, from the graph in the presentation, and uh, it's about taking a measurement, staying not in the perfect axis of the tweeter, but staying 30 degrees uh, on the left, 30 degrees on the right, 45 degrees, whatever. And when you have good results there, what happens is that uh, you have the ability of the speaker to disappear, simply because the speaker is introducing a lot of energy in the high frequency. Such a design also had a weakness, which is displayed by the red frequency response. The weakness is that uh, given the soft nature of the material, the apex of the dome has the tendency to behave in antiphase with the other surfaces of the dome. And basically, is uh, what is ending up being a sort of an unwanted noise-canceling thing, if you will. So basically, such a design is not able to perfectly extend in the high frequency. And so it is lacking uh, transparency. It is lacking precision. But on the other hand, it has this beautiful ability of... Um, making the speaker disappear and so provide, uh, in our opinion, a very good service to music. And this is, was our starting point. This is where we started in our sort of a path. And then in a certain moment, in order to try to improve, we changed into a different solution, and uh, which was about using the same sort of material as a diaphragm, a totally different shape for the diaphragm, and uh, what we achieved was that uh, we found what we are looking for. We found the precision. We found the extension in the very high frequency. We found the high definition. But possibly we lost a little bit of the magic because after a while we realized that uh, this sort of uh, high frequency transducers diaphragm was not achieving of axis what it was uh, achieving the traditional soft dome we used in the beginning and you can tell from the blue frequency response so basically 
is uh, this is the perfect situation which describes our quest to, to perfection. We really wanted to get the best of both worlds. We wanted to keep the precision we reached in the early 20, in, in the last decade, but really we want also to get back the magic of uh, the um, speaker disappearing from the soundstage and leaving space only to music. And we came up with a solution which was driven by this desire. And the solution is the DAD Twitter. Basically, it's about locally the intuition of uh, understanding that uh, locally dampening the apex of the dome allows to avoid the anti-face behavior of the dome. And so basically we are able to have all the magic, all the wonderful tone of uh, an hand-coated uh, silk soft dome diaphragm. But also we have uh, the extension in the high frequencies of uh, an high-definition device. And uh, yeah, basically this is uh, a beautiful example of how much need drove our path. Mm -hmm. That's gorgeous, man. It's so funny, like you guys can talk about this stuff and I've heard it a million times come out of your guys, uh, out of your guys' mouths. And it's just, I always get really excited. <laughs> always hearing you guys talk about this stuff. It's it's uh it's always so cool to me um so yeah i have a, I have a question real quick uh Please. paolo um you you yeah. get uh you get the designs from livio and with the shape of you know the speaker cabinets and stuff do you guys have to fight different types of like you know resonant frequencies inside there all because, the you time know, all the time <laughs> all the time yeah I, I i'm a musician i play guitar i've been playing for you know a few decades and you know every time i play a few things yeah my guitar is vibrating on me so i would imagine you know like what, what do you guys do how do you um counteract those kinds of situations maybe i i let to leave your answer what we do is basically we deal hmm. you know and, and an electroacoustic design is always a certain under certain respects a compromise and this is unavoidable gotcha so we try to stretch at the best possible uh, dimension, all the concepts which are involved in that specific design. And particularly when it comes to dimensions and resonance frequency, uh, we are talking about the ability of such of certain design to extend or not extend in the base, in the lowest frequency. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is where we deal. I mean, certain dimensions are required. You can do certain things on the transducers, but there's a limit. And uh, this is the point where the deal comes, and uh, that's Fine. what we do. Deal. No, let, let, let me say something about this. Um, we have a very strong, uh, let me say, uh, manifesto in our company uh, that was basically uh, there from the beginning. We believe that natural materials give natural sound, uh, and this, uh, reflect, this is reflected also in the design. So natural shapes uh, almost uh, every time uh, deliver better uh, sound performance mm -hmm. in, a, in a loudspeaker. So when we start with a new design uh, and we uh, basically took inspiration from uh, uh, not the, the natural world that is always there, 
doing uh, you know this beautiful lute shape double curvature shape like the aida uh there is a margin of uh, mistake for sure there is a margin of error we can do uh we can create something that doesn't perfectly work but we start from something that it's already uh, better than a classic uh, squared uh, cabinet so it's uh, uh, starting from that it's uh, it's easier to uh, prevent any uh, kind of uh, very bad situation let me say it's very often uh, that uh, a shape that we create is completely wrong i mean we need just small adjustment to make the, okay. the, the shape working very cool man we we are getting a lot of people talking about the aida so with that being it's said, all over the place man. yeah just, i mean people, people are all over the aida which is awesome but yeah i mean that was that was um the aida was a new project for for the the upgrade that we that we recently did was the end of 2017 so i mean literally other than the exterior mm -hmm. a few elements Right. The speaker is completely new from the inside. Nice. Um, completely different um, chamber cavities, crossover design, new transducers, neodymium magnets. Um, there's a lot that went into that speaker, even though, you know, it still looks very much true to the IED because it was a beautiful object to begin with. Why change something if it's a classic and it's beautiful? But I mean, you guys had to deal with that. So you were trying to keep things true, but the cabinet within on the inside for Apollo and then Livio, you were trying to keep certain things um, on the on the design side the same. So can you guys talk about a bit of that process with that with that project since everyone wants to talk about the AIDA right now? <laughs> well, let me say, first of all, that AIDA was basically my first project for the company. So it's uh, something your first, that first really, love. Yeah, yeah that's your baby. My first, love. My first, my first love. Uh, it started with something really different, as Paolo knows, because uh, the, the, the beginning of that process was uh, a little bit uh, strange because the company was in a moment of changes. They uh, were, uh, uh, were searching for something that really stand out mm -hmm. from the competition. Uh, so nothing was... Uh, uh easy let me say mm -hmm. uh, but aida was um, was uh, was very important for me and for the company because we uh we learned a lot i think paolo will agree uh with that project mm -hmm. uh, especially in cabinet design in transducers everything was new and so it's uh, it's a really really it, it's it's a sort of milestone uh, for sure, for me, for my career, for Absolutely. my life. So I'm glad that uh, all the people are asking for Aida. Yeah, got I mean, lots of yeah, love in the it's, comments. It's man. a it's a it's a breathtaking speaker, and if you guys ever have an opportunity to visit a dealer and, and demo it, uh, it's it's really a breathtaking and life changing experience. Um, it's a really wonderful sounding loudspeaker. Like, um, I like being able to see inside the, the cabinet there. Yeah. That, that's yeah. A, that's an image you usually don't get the opportunity to see so, from a manufacturer. Yeah, all the trans really all the transducers cool. have their own cavity as you guys can see there. So you have yeah. the mid range tweeter, you have the two woofers. It's got the twelve inch sub on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Handmade. And it has an array of speakers on the back as well. As you can oh, see wow. there. 
I didn't know that. Oh, there's, so there's two that. there's two damped apex dome tweeters. Okay. Uh, so there's the front, the primary, and then also there's the back. So there's gotcha. two smaller kind of upper mid frequency uh, transducers, and then you have the uh, damped apex dome. And all those knobs that you see there, it's every single frequency is tunable. So it's based upon uh, on the out. space and the sort of experience that you want within in the room. So typically, do you send your um, engineers out there to kind of set these up in a home if if a consumer wanted that? Well, many times our dealers who are reference level dealers, gotcha. they're awesome. selling a product such as this. They are they are trained by us. Uh, so cool. and that's something that we're going to talk about uh, tomorrow with Will Klein. Gotcha. Um, so we can jump a little bit deeper into kind of our master's process with speaker design Perfect. for so, Sonos Power. So we do that same training with our dealers. Super Anybody cool. buying any speakers, um, Sonos Power speakers at this level, then absolutely. Uh, we make sure that that they are set up properly so you can extract the most from from these speakers. But Paulo, that being said, why don't you talk to us a bit about about the Aida Two project on oh. your side of things? Since we heard Livio's side, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I believe that this is also the perfect example which allows us to confirm what Livio was saying before. Uh, you can tell there's a huge difference between the AIDA first generation and the second generation performance-wise. I would say it, it is almost night and day, but the cabinet and the overall design stayed almost untouched. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it was good right from the start, it was, uh, it was, it was so good. The general concept of the dual cuba to side panel, which allows you to virtually erase any chance of standing ways inside of the cabinet was such a good result of course um we i would say that we went through a very fast and strong learning curve during the past 10 years when it comes to the performance i mean our knowledge grew it so fast and so quickly and basically, after a uh, few years, we had the chance to really update the AIDA a lot uh, with uh, a displayment of uh, what we are capable to provide as uh, from the performance standpoint, from the music redemption standpoint. And this is what happened. The whole, uh, the whole volume was reanalyzed. The distribution of uh, the inner chambers were totally rearranged completely from the scratch. Um, new new ideas in terms of tuning, tuning frequencies. This is the maximum expression. The AIDA 2 is the maximum expression of uh, a technology that we have in Sonos Faber, which is called uh, staggered low frequency technology. And basically it is about having uh, several base drivers. Each of them is loaded in a separate enclosure. It has its own dedicated crossover network. And uh, Depending on on the placement of those drivers in the space, they are managed amplitude-wise in a different way. So the subwoofer, obviously, which is the the one most far away geographically from the midrange, is shut down extremely early. And then you have a couple of woofers on the front side, which are working together with the subwoofers, but uh, as more as we move with the space, only the one close to the midrange actually crosses over with the midrange. Or the other are shut down before. And this solution, which is very complicated, 
even to explain you can tell very very challenging also very expensive i would say you have to have to do something three times whatever uh crossover network but it's paying off in terms of transparency speed articulation ability to modulate every single nuance every time uh, you know i have to describe the effect of such uh, a level of complications is uh, try to portray properly an upright bass player feeling the wood feeling the fingers feeling the vibrations of the wood and everything is involved uh, in those drivers which uh, requires to be properly controlled not to mention that we have the we we improve at every level josh you mentioned it is the it is a sonos fiber speaker which is featuring only neodymium manic system mm -hmm. and that means uh, the maximum amount of uh, dynamic you know you, you said that what uh, we were able to reach with this uh, rethinking was to really shake the listener let you have also the power of music execution. But the cool thing is with the AIDA project is that what we learn and what we invest in, in terms of research and design and what we discover from a mechanical and electrical design standpoint, but also from the industrial design that trickles down to our products all the way down the family. So for instance, in the, in the homage, um, the new Olympica Nova series, even the new Sonetto series. So all of these things we see trickle down technology, which yeah, is always fascinating to me. The very first, uh, the very first trickle down of Aida uh, was the Venere line. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the shape, the, the overall shape of the Aida was uh, used in a simplified version on the on, yeah. on our very entry level line of loudspeaker. It was that double curvature, and then yeah. we had, um, yeah. So it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's always an interesting process. Um, but yeah, I think what we're about thirty-five minutes in, mm -hmm. uh, and we're getting some comments. Um, yeah, what do you want to pull up here? Yeah. Well, one one comment that I I did see was uh, was already actually answered, um, and that was obviously about the industrial design, the acoustic design. So I think we. I think we for sure covered that. Um, I mean, guys, let's let's go. Let's yeah. Let's Whatever you want to ask, here. you can ask now. I I just like the way Livio says uh, curved. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he says that, I'm a happy man. Uh. So we have one question that I think is interesting. Um, so, what Sonos Faber product is recommended for a multi-channel audio theater? Hmm. So first, I mean, that's the cool thing about a lot of our family of products is that we make a lot of different levels of speakers and center channels. And in some of our families, I'll call out the uh, Olympica Nova because we actually designed two different center channels for the Olympica Nova, depending on the size of the room. Also, what main speakers you decide to go with. We also created an on-wall speaker called the Nova Wall. Mm -hmm. Um, so it depends on, it depends honestly on the level that you're, that you're looking for in terms of performance and fidelity. Um, but there's, there's many, many families within our, within our product range that you can mm -hmm. build an amazing home theater experience, multi-channel Dolby Atmos, whatever you want it to be, um, in terms of platform. But, mm -hmm. 
with that being said, you're still going to be able to have an amazing stereo music listening experience. It's, it's, it's a twofold as an example. Um, guys, do you have anything to add to that? Well, uh, when it comes to multi-channel, we have uh, the ability to provide, uh, I would say, mm, three different possible levels. But uh, among these three possible levels, two have been designed really also focusing 1,000%, so to say, and you mentioned the Olympic Nova, focusing 1,000% on the multi-channel environment. And some others... Uh, <clears throat> Can be used i'm talking about the homage traditional line and we have a center channel over there as well so you have plenty of possibilities sonetto has been conceived to be the perfect solution also for multi-channel mm -hmm. system so it really depends mm -hmm. uh, the amount of quality you are looking for we have plenty of different solutions i would say that the olympica nova is the most mature offer that we have in terms of uh, multi-channel because it's able to cover many different needs. You know, you have, uh, as you mentioned, two different center channels. So depending on the, room, on the room you're dealing with, you have a choice. We have a speaker which is extreme high quality, but it is hangable on the wall and it's pretty shallow design. And again, this is uh, also a very nice option you want to take in account. And Isn't of course, we have uh, in-wall and in-ceiling speakers. Of course. Yeah, we also, yeah, recently we've we've also done um, architectural speakers, so in-walls. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to do a really beautiful um, Atmos cinema, obviously you can do uh, in-ceilings, but if mm -hmm. you want to just do a true LCR, that's all yeah. in-walls, uh, we, can, we can do that as well. One thing I want to call out, because this is quick, uh, how is your presence today in North America? Where can we see a demo? So if you want to experience a demo, go to sonosfaber.com and go to our dealer locator and then just plug in your zip code. Um, but we have an amazing presence um, here in here in, uh, in North America. So you should be able to find somewhere I, I think where he's you in, can experience it. He's in Arizona. So I'm sure. If oh, you have there's one. there's some great dealers in Arizona for Sonos Faber. So you're not going to have a problem. All right. Let's, um, let's get, let's get so, real here real, real quick. Let me ask something just for me. Sure. Um, so what's the least expensive Sonos Faber speaker <laughs> that I could possibly get? Right now, Sonetto Sonetto One. Sonetto so the one. Sonetto One, it's a it's a it's a two way bookshelf, mm -hmm. and I believe that guy in the United States uh, retails for eight ninety nine for the pair okay. in oh. in walnut, and also in um, a lacquered black. Yeah, so that's so that's the least expensive. Yeah, we what, could do that. <laughs> what would you okay, okay. what would you pair with the Macintosh <laughs> MA352? Cuz that's what Chandra want to get in. The 352 <laughs> hauls serious ass, so you could you could literally uh I would I would really go for the Olympica Nova 2. Don't tempt techno dad. He's, and I mean, I mean, just Josh, right now. Instead, you know, wrap it up, send it on over <laughs> in a package, <laughs> you know? a little care package for. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I'll make sure I'm home. You know, be, <laughs> be, sure to, be sure to share the love now. Come on. Yeah. All right. No, but for real, the, the speakers look gorgeous. Um, oh, my God. You know, the you. ones I've heard sounded sounded fantastic. So um, is there. Yeah. Is there um any. Now, as far as playing music on these things, like, is there any preferred music? Does certain music sound better? Um, no, no, no. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm. Before we started the, before we actually went live, I listened to 
just about every type of music. Mm. And that's the one thing that drew me to to the Sonos Fobbers because it's a very, very well-rounded speaker. And um, so and I listen to which one do anything. you have behind you? I forget what it was called. These are the um, Olympica Nova 3, which I think are the same ones that's sitting next to Paolo. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just a phenomenal mm -hmm. loudspeaker. So it's, uh, it's um, a three-way loudspeaker, has two woofers. Mm -hmm. um, same thing, Damp Day Pex Dome Tweeter that we talked about earlier. It's all the same core technologies that are in that. Like I said, we just came out with a brand new generation of that product called the Olympica Nova. That was just debuted last year. I love how you integrated that 12-inch woofer in the bottom. Just yeah. the style well, the of it. It's like, oh my yeah. goodness, man. That's Great incredible. Because at first Great. I saw the bottom it, and I was like, okay. with a bowspring, which is really cool. So basically uh there's a, a zero vibration transmission system that we that we uh implemented with that design mm -hmm. uh which is really unique so you saw at the bottom there's like more or less that bow yeah and the 12 inch sub is actually mounted there mm. but the whole idea behind that bow spring is to uh, essentially it's almost like a skyscraper where it has the uh it has the mechanical system it has, that like, if there's gear. an earthquake it will more or less sway so it basically oh, removes the environment from the speaker itself mercy and again that's technology that was trickled down nice. so that's, that's like something a that Apollo, yeah Apollo internal on. decoupling almost more or less yeah well no no not, not exactly it's just basically avoiding the transmission of certain vibration from the speakers to the environment okay yeah very cool man very cool. And we, we have a serious comment here. You know, I think everybody in the room should, should take I'm, note. I'm down. I'll even review the, the lower ones, man. I'm, they're just fantastic. So, I've, heard, I've only had the opportunity maybe once or twice to hear them. Um, they're beautiful. It's been uh, many years. Quick question about uh, your philosophy. And you don't have to give away your secret sauce, but your philosophy on the sound signature. What is the sound signature that your your target sound signature? Maybe something different that you're Great looking question. for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is another uh, complicated question. Complicated Thank question. <laughs> it's all complicated. Thank you for basically, you know, basically we are simple, simple answer. Long story short, we are trying to understand and to investigate how much our human hearing apparatus works, and uh, we try to couple best that we can uh, with the the very special way our human eating apparatus works mm -hmm. maybe you're not uh, aware about that but we are more sensitive at certain frequencies than others mm -hmm. and also this uh, difference in sensitivity frequency wise changes in reason of the amount of some pressure level applied so it's kind of a mess uh, basically we investigated the way our hearing apparatus works uh, at the some pressure levels, which are the typical ones when you're listening to decent neighbor-friendly volume mm -hmm. up to quite noisy, party <laughs> sort of thing volume. And we sort of target the behavior of our hearing apparatus in this range of some pressure level. And it is normally about uh, lowering certain range of frequencies in level and boosting some others. The top and bottom of uh, of the frequency response, basically. Okay. It'll be more complicated than this, but yeah. The, well, thank you. I, I think I have an idea what you're saying here, and I've never heard uh, somebody refer to my ears as hearing apparatus. So thank you. <laughs> you can start yeah. using that. Starting yeah, today, yeah. Right? And, and I love how Paolo's so so honest. He's like, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to deal with. That's yeah. Great. <laughs>
exactly. That's the point. At the end of the day, the philosophy I want you to, to live with is that we try to address mm. human beings instead of uh, technical data or technical wow. scientific targets, right? That's mm -hmm. what we try to do. Nice. Got it. Kind of going back to what you said, that human factor. You know, exactly. human factor. Exactly. Yeah. That's like super important in, yeah. it's very in important. the design philosophy of, of Sonus Faber. Very exactly. cool. There is one question uh, that I think might be appropriate for Livio because I okay. saw a social post from from you not that long ago, but it was about the classic violin red. Is the classic violin red going to come back? That's one of the questions that somebody Ooh. asked. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hey. Yes. You heard it here first. That's a that's an exclusive. Another yes. Hi-Fi Summit exclusive. <laughs> Yes, yes, it will. Uh, it will go back. It will came back. Um, the interesting story was that uh, when I approached Sonus Faber, uh, the company was was about to launch uh, the, the the Sonus Faber. Fenice uh, was called it at that time, mm -hmm. and uh, the the boss at that time wanted to have something really new also in the finishing. So they decided to. Uh, basically change from the violin red to a uh, more deeper red that was based on uh, on walnut walnut wood. Uh, I love that finish. Uh, mm -hmm. I really love that finish. But uh, I heard in my career at Sons Faber a lot of requests of the original violin red, uh, especially related to the Stradivari and the original Amati. Uh, so yes, we always thought to reintroduce that, uh, but the problem was that it's uh, that violin red is made on a different uh, wood, is uh, is a uh, maple based. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, there is a different structure in the panel to be to to create that uh, that special uh, uh, red violin. So yes, we will uh, we will do it. Um, in the very near future, with a special edition project product that we you will see uh, pretty soon on the market. Super cool! Awesome. Any uh, powered powered very speakers cool. in the in the making? Well, you got enough in the family there. I know, right? <laughs> Macintosh powered Sonus Faber. Look, they're all quiet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> That is hilarious. Take take that. For we can we can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> take that for what it's worth. There, so. there, is a, there is a lot of noise inside the group of, about this topic. Let me say. It's a it's a category of interest. Let's just. Yeah. I, I mean, cool. you guys are are all, all you guys, all you speaker manufacturers are are making me think like I need an eleven bedroom house. Mm. I need a Sonus Faber yep. Macintosh room. I need a Macintosh yeah. Focal room. I need. You know, like the list goes on and on. There's just too many um, amazing options out there. So, uh, yeah, thanks. very cool. Very there's, cool. There's one last question that I would yeah, love for us to touch on. Go for it. Um, so, do you suggest adding subwoofers to your larger tower speakers? Mm. Good question. Or do the 12 inch integrated subs take care of everything? So, even with our reference loudspeakers, they're asking, or even just any of our loudspeakers. Uh, what is your what is your thoughts your feelings about the addition of subwoofers? Um, either of you guys can address this question. Who wants to take it? I take it. 
He's just bring it on. Bring it on. You know the problem, and the answer the answer is yes. Absolutely, it does. I like that. Yep, it absolutely deserves to to be as a buffer to be added to whatever system you're dealing with, even with our reference one. And the explanation is. Quite interesting enough, I would say, because uh, at the end of the day, when you're adding a subwoofer to such an already high-performing speakers, what you're actually doing is trying to reproduce, not to announce the bass, but instead you're trying to reproduce that reverberation, that sort of fashion of the room, the the reproduction of the room. Situation. Yeah. So you're trying to introduce the same amount of... Uh, air movement available in the real recording situation. And while doing that, you will find that uh, whatever it is reproduced from the musical standpoint is sort of placed in a background. Because, uh, you know, everything is breathing. Everything is resonating, like the event where the performance was recorded is resonating. And this is why it is worth to add a subwoofer system. Even to and I, I was gonna say I could even I can even chime in on that because I, I had a demonstration that, that the first demonstration I had of why subwoofers with a stereo listening system, even when it's a full range loudspeaker, mm-hmm. um, it was actually a recording that had no bass in it at all. And what it was, it was basically a, a solo uh, piccolo in a large, a large recording hall. It might have been a church. And the piccolo, I mean, it, sound, it sounded amazing and you can still hear a bit of the room, but once you introduce the subwoofer, what happened was, is that the sound stage, the mid-range, everything just opened up, it got bigger because what it was doing, it was actually reproducing the SPL of the room itself. And like what, what Paolo said, it's, it's that reverberation. It's actually reproducing the sound of the space in which that piccolo was recorded, even though, because every single recording, when it's in a room, you're actually picking up those low frequencies of the room itself when something is recorded, you know? So that was one of the, the first times I got a really amazing demonstration of why subwoofers. You know, there's a, if you listen to the track uh, At Last by Etta James, old, old recording, right? And mm-hmm. there are issues with the recording that you, this is a test that I do. And for a lot of people, they don't expect it. So I'll listen to that to it on their systems, but it's kind of a trick because what ends up happening is there's some rustling and you can kind of hear some rumbling on the mic. So there's really low frequency energy that you wouldn't, it, they probably didn't even want that in the recording, mm-hmm. but unless you have some good subs, you wouldn't even Sometimes. notice that that's there. Yeah. Right? And if your subs are so, turned up too much, it's too obvious, right? So yeah. So our focus right is when you, yeah, when you're integrating a sub, and what you see with our new Gravis subwoofers is that there's a there's a, a, a low low high level connector, so therefore you can actually match it to the binding post of the amplifier itself. So therefore there's an LFE connector, and there's also the high level connection, so you're getting the exact same uh, frequency response exact same bass response that the speaker is receiving as a subwoofer and then you blend that sub to where it's almost an audible so there's the gra- the two gravis uh subwoofers yeah the gravis that six and the gravis that's sweet yeah so um but that's the goal is to try to blend the subwoofer with the speaker the crossover point to where it's in it's indistinguishable but you still you can get those that full range based response. And you could also reproduce the room in which it was recorded in. 
Um, let's see if there's anything else, guys. This oh. this setup on screen here looks pretty sexy. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but that's, yeah, so that's, the, homage, that's the homage collection that that Livio was showing us that right earlier yeah. concepts for, and then yeah. the the Gravis subwoofers are in nice. conjunction with those, but then also can work all the way up with the Aida. So nice. it's it's designed to work with our reference loudspeakers as well. Very nice, Very guys. Cool. This has been fantastic. That's for sure. I think uh, the comments speak for themselves. They've definitely really enjoyed it. Well, I hope you yeah. make sales knowledge. for you. If if somebody's gonna buy some of these, let them know where to go. You, you, you heard, saw you it heard here. about it at the High Five Summit. Yeah, you let yeah. them know. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Um, there was one last question that I've seen twice. Somebody's okay. asking about our stealth reflex porting on the Nova on the Nova series, which is very similar to what was on our on our uh, previous Olympica series. Yeah, the Nova venting. There it is. Um, which one of you guys want to touch on our stealth reflex system? Let me say just uh, something about that because it was uh, uh, was a nice uh, project. Also, the the Olympica for for me and Paolo, and we actually fight for that pro for that project a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but again, uh, I think that that uh, that reflex port is the demonstration that natural shapes uh, always works better than uh, uh, artificial, let me say, uh, squared boxes. Uh, the idea around uh, the Olympica uh, reflex port was to create the reflex port not like just an opening, but as a part of the structure. So if you look at the, uh, at the top of the structure of the Olympica speakers, you will notice that it's uh, something, um, something really natural is going around the shape of the speaker and the reflex port is just mm. part of that, of that design. And uh, it's really important for me uh, to underline that because this is the perfect example to explain that good design must follow the function always. Gotcha. What can we say? Right, that's, a, that's a great way to end it. That was, yeah, that was it. Lots of lots of good lines that we could take from this yeah. seminar. I yeah. could just quote all. all quote, a lot this of is what happens. This is what happens when you speak to the Italians. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Everything's beautiful. That's Everything's awesome. beautiful. Um, nice. But yeah, so I, I did see some comments uh, of where you can demonstrate these, where you can get a good demo for Sonus Faber. Again, guys, um, if you visit our website on sonusfaber.com, there is um, there's an area up in the right hand corner, dealer locator. Put in your zip code uh, and support support your local dealers. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Very cool. Very cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, or gentlemen and gentlemen, um, day three of the Hi-Fi Summit continues. We're going to have a little bit of a break, and I believe we've got Cherry Amplifiers at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard and 5 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you tune in for that. And um, I'll be jumping into the group video chat. I'm not sure about these guys, but I got some yeah. lunch that we can uh, hang out and chat and talk about uh, all the gorgeous stuff we just saw from uh, oh, Sonus Bobber yeah. and everything. Hey, um, yeah, it'd be uh, great to have Paolo, the companies in the in the group chat actually in the yeah. group video chat, just so yeah, that would be the cool. people who are attendees you can actually do this, but with them and just talk to them, answer questions, things like that. That would be great. Yeah, it's cool. It'd be awesome. Thank you, Paolo and Livio for flying in from italy yeah, for this that's awesome thank that's you fantastic. so much thank, uh, you, Joshua, thank you 
Thanks, you for guys. The Thanks for Hang around me. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Don't just jump out. <laughs> Somebody did that last time around. Um, but yeah, um, all the attendees, uh, we'll see you in the group video chat in just a few minutes.